be with you again today. Thanks, musicians, worship team. Thank you, Gary. Um, thanks. Well, I'm thanking Gary. Might as well go to uh, thanking you for last week as well. If you didn't have a chance to hear last week, if you listened a couple weeks ago and heard uh, my talk on freedom, uh, Gary helped balance that out a little last week and helping us how to um, how to learn where to draw the line in the sand in our lives and. I've thought about it a lot over the last couple of weeks, had some good conversations with people, and I don't know about you, but I realized my line in the sand hasn't been really, you know, defined yet, but uh, finding better ways to, to do that as a result. So if you haven't listened to last week, I encourage you to do so. If you're just tuning in for the first time uh, online, I uh, just want to introduce myself. I'm Mark, and we're glad that you're uh, joining us. If you're a regular online, we're glad you're uh, there as well. For those in the building, man, Welcome. Welcome. Let's uh, let's jump right in, into his word uh, uh, today, and I want to I want to um, shift some gears a little bit. Just thinking as a pastor, how to prepare how to prepare people, uh, the body of Christ, for for the the life that God has for you, but also for you know where we might be headed. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I watched an old movie called Castaway. I mean, I didn't realize till I googled it that there was older movies of Castaway, but the one with Tom Hanks uh, and Wilson. Uh, here's a movie where this guy doesn't say anything for like 45 minutes, doesn't interact with anybody else, and people are just like mesmerized by this movie. And it reminded me as uh, when I watched it, it reminded me of the games that I used to play as a kid. I don't know if you ever in, in grade school or you play that game if you're like deserted island. What would you bring? What's the one item? You only get one. What are you going to bring and, and why? And then, you know, as I was prepping, I just, I just reminded of school. Like when I was a kid, it wasn't, wasn't you know, those were some of like the, the not my favorite years of life. But I just was reminded of some of the things that we did when I was just when I was a kid, the jokes we would tell. You know, about, you know, what, this, these three guys are going to go, they get stranded on a deserted island, and they ask, hey, what did you bring? What did you bring? And one guy's like, oh, I brought a fishing pole, because at least we can catch food. And, and then the other guy, he's like, yeah, well, I brought a tarp, so we have shelter, and we can get water. And the third guy, they look at him. And, you know, back in the day, we used to use terms we're just not allowed to use anymore. Like, back in the day, we would, like, the Newfies, you know, or Redneck, or the kid from Dunville. But then I moved to Dunville, and realize I can't tell those jokes anymore, but I just realized you can't tell any of them. So, so just not to offend anybody, unless I already have, uh, we're just going to say that guy. But you know who it is. You know, it's the one guy who brings the, the fishing pole for food. The one guy who brings the tarp for water. And then that guy. That guy says, oh, I brought a car door. And they're like, what'd you do that for? He's like, well, when it gets hot, we can roll down the window. And I'm like, I can't remember. As a child, I just loved those uh, jokes. I was like, man, I was made to be a dad. Because I'm sure that's a dad joke somewhere. But I realized, you know, even as I was preparing for this, I'm like, I don't know if I can say those words, you know? Like, we, we live in such a hypersensitive and, and overly offended world right now. It, it doesn't take much, and people are ticked. And it's, it's not just on one side or the other. As I, the more that I realize and read, the more that I realize it's on both sides. Liberals can be highly offended. Conservatives can be highly offended. People from Dunville can be highly offended. People from Cayuga can be highly offended. It, it, it doesn't, men, women, online, offline, it doesn't seem to matter. We just live in this easily offended world. And I would say myself included sometimes, it's just easy to jump on the bandwagon of the rage or, you know, the, the scandal. But this, this week, I just, I, we got to see it in real, in real life. You know, Mr. Potato Head. Mr. like, people are fighting over a potato, just got super upset about the fact that they dropped Mr. from the Mr. Potato Head brand. And the company said we did it um, to promote gender equality and inclusion, which isn't a terrible thing. 
But it's the reason, you know, behind that is that there's this hypersensitivity to gender equality and inclusion. And that's the one side. So they're like, hey, we'll drop Mr. You know, we're still going to have a Mr. and Mrs., but we're just dropping it from the name, you know, because there's, there's a bit of a hypersensitivity. And then on the other side, there's a hypersensitivity to the hypersensitivity that these guys have about gender inclusion. And they get, they get all upset, and they're like, why are they doing this? Why are they ruining Mr. Potato Head? And then, as well, I'm sure you're aware, we lost some famous literature. You know, Dr. Seuss had some, some of his um, books that are no longer going to be published due to the racist and insensitive content. And to be fair, I know, if you haven't heard this yet, oh, man, you're missing out. You're like three days behind. But, you know, to, to be fair, as I looked it up, you know, you read the headlines, and they're like, they're canceling Dr. Seuss? This is not like a... I'm glad, you know, I'm going to find green eggs and ham or whatever. But when they started talking about the different ones that they're, that they're no longer going to publish, it was the, the company themselves that were not going to publish these anymore. They're like, I've never even heard of them. Like, they're not the famous ones. It's not Cat in the Hat and the, you know, the Sneetches or what's that green guy? The Grinch. You know, it's none of those guys. It's like these, these other ones. But it was funny because, you know, people all of a sudden like, oh, no, you know, they're, they're canceling. They're canceling. And it's all this, this upset stuff. And I thought, you know what? I can just picture back in school, you know, the, I, I know what the new contraband is going to be. You know, kids on the playground be like, you got any weed? No, I got something better. I got a few pages of Dr. Seuss. And they'll be like, oh, sweet. Well, I'll trade you a genuine Mr. Potato Head for that deal. You know, they, they go off, make sure teachers don't catch them, right? Like, the, the crazy thing is invest in their stocks because their stuff is selling like crazy because we... We want what we, you know, should, we, we, we think we might lose or what we, we may not have. And I thought, as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, what if, what if that happened to the Bible? Do you, do you think that that could ever happen to the Bible in our country? That it could be removed? That it could be banned? And, and at first, my first thought, much like maybe yours, is like, well, that would never happen in Canada. Now, that couldn't, couldn't happen in Canada, could it? And today I want to think about it because I'm not saying that it, that it will happen, but, but could it happen? You know, I, I once thought that, a, that, that I would never see in Canada where a pastor would be held in, in prison for a crime that really only should have been uh, fined. What he's done is what others have done and they should have, and others were fined for it, but they put him in prison. And, uh, you know, it was almost like, you know, innocent until proven guilty it was the way it used to be. But now it's like you're guilty until you're proven innocent, which is going to be in eight weeks from now. You know, we were hoping that he'd be able to um, be <laughs> removed from prison as a, as a result of the, the unjust um, the, uh, things behind his reason for being in prison. But they've, they've held those things, and now he'll be there for another eight weeks. And if you're not familiar with this story, go watch from two weeks ago and get, get offended with some people. All right, so, but, but I never thought that could happen in Canada. I just did not think that. You know, but then there's, there's, as I, as I realized, when he's being held in Canada. Did you realize that when COVID first started at the beginning, uh, March, April, they let out 16% of the inmates that we had in our prisons. That's like one out of every five, one out of every six guys was, was uh, released early just because of the fear of having too close of contact and the spread of COVID. As I looked it up, some of them were involved in murder attempts. Some of them were um, at sh- um, mall shootings. Some of them were sexual predators. And they were released into the common public out of the fear of COVID. And yet a pastor who's not a criminal, he's being held in Canada's largest prison until his court date. Eight weeks from now, I thought, that, that can't happen in Canada, can it? 
You know, and then I, I began to wonder, could the Bible be removed? Could God's word be removed from our country? And I thought about it. I was re- I've just recently read God's Smuggler. If you haven't read God's Smuggler, uh, you know, you're missing out because 10 million other people have. So this is like a good, amazing book to read. And it talks about Brother Andrew, how he would go and smuggle Bibles into these countries that didn't have any. And as I'm reading, I'm like, man, I can't even picture what this is like. He, he went to this one church where thousands, a couple thousand people had gathered. They were allowed to gather. But as he went through, he looked, he's like, one church, 1,000 people, and one Bible among all of them. People were arrested on the streets for possession. Possession of, of a Bible. Possession of God's word. And he's like, man, that could never happen in Canada, could it? You know, if we look at what else is going on in our world, I've talked about it a little while back, but Bill C-6 is, is uh, being pa- going through our, um, our justice system right now. Uh, and it's the criminal ban on conversion therapy, which includes some wordings that are a little bit problematic. The words are that, that you know, if you advertise and offer for conversion therapy, if somebody's, say, transgender, same-sex attracted, and they don't want to be, you're not allowed to offer them help because conversion therapy is so vague that for me to say the gospel, that Jesus can actually save anyone from any sin, including, including same-sex attraction, including some of these things that you wrestle with, there, there's hope. It could be a jail sentence for me. You know, the truth is that the good, there's still good news, but I can see that the Bible could very easily end up in hate speech. If Dr. Seuss is insensitive, oh man, the Old Testament sure can be as well. So I'm like, how do we prepare? How do we prepare as a church? You know, when access to the, to the Bible may be removed from us. How would you prepare if that was possible? Not saying it's going to happen, but how would you prepare if it did? And I thought about the current access that we have to Scripture right now. And, and you know, in our country, we've got a bunch here. Uh, I was going to get, you know, show of hands, but then I was like, well, then what if they answer something that I don't have up there? So here, here's four. You know, we have it in print, you know, paper Bibles. Anybody got one? Just wave it up here. You got one with you? Oh, they got one at home, under my bed, yep, uh, on an iPad. You know, spoken, the spoken word, what you're hearing right now as I read and share uh, God's word with you, you can, you can hear it. Then there's memorized where you've got it in your mind and in your heart. And then there's the online access, which most of us have right now. You got a Bible on a phone. So let me just do this, let me just do this poll real quick. Of those four things, if the Bible were to be removed in our country, which one would be gone first? Shout it out. You got it online, let's get rid of that. That is going to be the first one. How many of you would be, can I say screwed? How many of you would be screwed? Chris, remove it if I can't. But how many of you would be in trouble if the online version of the Bible was gone? Because that's all you have. Do you have, still have a paper Bible? I remember thinking, you know, like, man, once, once online, why do we need the paper one anymore? I got all the versions I want. But that'll be the first one to go. What'll be the second one to go, you think? Print? Let's see. Print. It's probably one of the ones that will be gone. You know, you may be able to speak it, but as long as you're not reading from a printed text, that'll be the next one gone. What are you going to do then? I don't know, Mark. I'm going to come to church and hope that you've got some of this stuff still in there somewhere. What do you think the next one's going to be that's gone? Spoken. What's the only one that they can never take away? Memorized. The one that's inside. That's the only one that can never be removed. So here's my question for you. As a church, if we, you know, as I said, could that happen in Canada? I was expecting, you know, no way. But, but, but we, we can't cheer no way anymore. There's a part of us, even around the room here, I could just see people nodding like, yeah, yeah I think that, that could happen. So are you ready if, yeah, I think that could happen? Are you prepared? Somebody, how much scripture have you memorized? 
If that's the only one that you can keep, how much have you memorized? Some of you are like, well, uh, John, John 3.16, I got it. At least I know the reference. I don't know if I know the whole verse, but I know John 3.16. I saw it on Tim Tebow's jersey or something, right? You know, maybe you're like, oh, I think I know like three out of the Ten Commandments. You're not supposed to kill or steal or something. Um, or maybe, let, you know, I, I can help you out with a real great one. John 11.35. Do you know it yet? John 11.35. You can all memorize it today in one minute. Jesus wept. See, we have people who've memorized that. But how much scripture have you really memorized? If we were to sit here tonight and say, hey, we're just, you know, we're just going to go around the room. We gathered together in this room. Tell us what you know about the scripture. Just quote it for us. How many of you would be able to say anything? You know, Jesus often had large crowds follow him and listen to his teaching, and they came to watch his miracles. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all compiled eyewitness accounts. Some of them were eyewitnesses. John was, was an eyewitness. He wrote down what Jesus' thoughts on the word were. And, and here's some things. So grab your Bible because we're going there. John chapter 8, verse 30. If you have a paper Bible, get spinning. John chapter 8, verse 30. Uh, and if you're reading online, here, here it goes. You can follow it on the screen as well. As he says, as he spoke these words, so as Jesus is speaking to these crowds of people, he said, many believed in him. And if I ask tonight, how many of you believe in Jesus? You know, hands would go up all over. If I ask you online, how many of you believe in Jesus? You, there, there'd be many of you say, yeah, yes, I believe. That's why I'm watching. I, I believe there's a God. I believe in Jesus. Verse 31 says, and Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, He's like, there's more to it than just believing in me. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That word abide is like, it's really the word like live. If you remain or if you live your life, where? Go back one slide. Where, where does Jesus say you need to live and, and, and have your life? Where, where is that? In his word. He says, it's much more than just believing. If you're... If, if your life is in my word. And then, you know, as Jesus was walking to the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he was betrayed, he was just about to be crucified. He's like giving his disciples like the, the kind of the last, the last instructions. Like, fellas, these, this stuff's important. Here's what he says in John 15. He says very, very similar words. Once again, he says, if you abide in me, if your life is centered around me, if you're connected to me. He'd been talking about the vine and branches at that point and saying, like, you've got to stay connected to me. You've got to live your life as if I'm living it with you. And then he said this, if you abide in me and my words abide, where? In you. You know, if, if my words abide in you, he says, you're going to ask what you desire. And you know, there's, there's all kinds of teaching on this, but the desires are because his, his word is in you. Your desires get lined up with where, where they should be. He says, it'll be done for you. Verse eight, he says, by this, my father's glorified. You're going to bear much fruit. So you'll be my disciples. He's like, man, I want you to remain in my word and I want my word to remain in you. You know, he's like, I want, your word, I want, I want my word in you, not, not in your hand, you know, not, not under your bed, not on your phone, on your shelf somewhere, in you, in your heart, in your mind, on your tongue. And he says, you'll bear much fruit and you'll be my disciples. And I, I wonder, could the opposite be true? If you feel like, man, I don't feel like I'm bearing a whole lot of fruit for the kingdom. I don't feel like I'm, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'm really living as his, his disciple. Could it possibly be that the missing thing is that we're just not in his word and not, don't have his word in us? Well, I believe in Jesus. I can tell you as a Jesus follower, that ain't enough. That will not carry you through the, through the things, um, through life. But I, I think it comes down to this question. How much do we actually value the word of God? Really? 
How much do we value the word of God really? You know, I'm encouraged by the people who've said this year, you know what? I'm going to value it a little more than I did last year. And I'm going to join you guys and read through the New Testament. And I love it. I love watching people who have, you know, who are reading every single day and then, you know, trying to beat Lily to be the first one commenting on, hey, this is what I learned. I, I, I love it. I, and if you, if you are like, you know what? I didn't know there was this thing. I'd like to do that. Shoot me a text. I'll invite you in. You just jump right in with us. We're right in the middle of Mark and it's, it's been incredible. And then to those who are like part of the precept studies and you're studying the word every week with the group, I also know you're studying it every day at home because you said, you know what? I'm going to value that. My wife gets up before me every single morning and I, I wake up to the click of the binder and I know she's sitting at her desk and she's pouring uh, the, the word into her, to her heart before the day starts. I'm like, man, I know there's people who love and value the word. word. And I've been challenged myself just to memorize even, even more, to memorize even more. You know, I was thinking about the things, what do we do with the things we value? What do you do with stuff you value? You know, I bought a couple silver coins a while back, and I'm like, the first thing I did once I saw them was like, wow, they're cool, they're shiny, and then I hit them. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want my kids finding them. I don't want anybody finding them, right? I'm going to hide them really good. And, and I think that's what we do when we have valuable stuff. I, and, and then there's cool stories where people hid stuff, and then they forgot where it was, and someone else finds it. I had a guy, you know, he was talking about how he's renoing his basement of, of a house he bought, and he ripped down the wall, and in the wall was two cloth bags full of silver dollars. I'm like, sweet. There was like 50 of them. And, uh, and I thought, man, that is like so cool. And I was like, I want to open my walls. Wait a second, I just built this house. There's nothing in them, right? I'm like, I know that. But, but then, then I heard of this other, you know, friends of our family from, from uh, years ago, they, uh, they went to the thrift store and bought Monopoly, you know, the, the original Monopoly, and they took it home, and they said the kids can go play with it, and the kids came up, and they're like, Dad, like, the money's all wrong. They're like, the, the money's just not right. And they came, and they looked, and it was like, it was Canadian money. $32,000 of Canadian money. Somebody, you know, forgot to where they had hidden something. But what do we do? We, we hide stuff that we value. And as I read about David, I read about his love for the word. And he's the one who writes this in Psalm 119. David was a famous man in Jewish history and Jewish culture. And he wrote this. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden it there. You know what that word hidden means? It means I've treasured it. I've stored it up like it's treasure. It's like, it's like I bought silver coins and I, I hid them. He's like, man, your word is so valuable. I stuck it in here where no one's going to get it. And he valued the word of God for his life. He writes in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is just beautiful. We have some people in our Sunday uh, service, um, uh, Aaron and, and uh, Levi Ferber, and they've just been going through Psalm 119, just reading about, it's a whole poem just about the word and how amazing it was to, to David. He writes in, in uh, verse 103 of that when he says, your words are sweeter than honey in my mouth. He, he writes, he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, it's a light to my path, in, in verse 105. He said, man, I'm I'm hiding this in my heart because it matters. It matters for my life. You know, the Hebrew word for for heart is that. It's it's for my life. It's the inner man. I've hidden it in my mind, in my will, in my understanding. You know, I think about David. You read about his life. Man, the guy, like, lived epic, epic. uh, uh, Like, before, you know, Gladiator and William Wallace, he was, like, living, like, that kind of life. And he'd find himself out in the wilderness often. You know, being out in the wilderness, you know, on the run, alone, there's no iPhone to pull out and be like, oh, you know, man, things are going a little crazy. I need a little comfort. Where am I going to find it? You know, when the fear starts knocking on the door, he's like, wait a second, did we bring the scroll? No, they don't let the scroll go out of the temple. You know, where, but it didn't matter. You know where it was? It was right here. He'd put it here. 
And as a man out there, you know, when things are going crazy and he's on the, he, he's on the verge of death, he writes words like this, Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I will fear no evil. Why? Because I know you are with me. God, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you know what? I know that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, no matter what happens in this moment. I get goosebumps and I'm not even in that situation. Man, isn't it amazing how much comfort has been brought to people's lives through Psalm 23 simply because David had his word hidden in his heart? Powerful thought. You know, but David actually, he gave other reasons for hiding the word in your heart. It wasn't just because maybe it's going to be taken away from you someday. There's, there's other reasons because that, that may not happen. But here's a couple things. If you're t- jotting notes, here's some good reasons to hide his word in your heart. Number one, fewer regrets. How many of you would like fewer regrets in life? How many of you are just not honest? Uh-huh. All right, I won't look. You know, at Psalm 119, David writes this. He's like, how can a young person stay pure? Young people here, young people watching. How can a young person stay pure? He's like, by obeying your word. In verse 10, he says, I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. And then verse 11, here's that scripture we just read. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I was talking with some young guys about purity this week. You know, talking about this idea of sin. And sin, when he says that I might sin against you, he says, God, I, I hide your word in my heart so I don't take the wrong path. So I don't take the path that ends up in regret. And as I'm talking with these guys, like, you know, how do, we, how do we deal with sin and deal with struggles in our life? And David's answer is like, hey, this is the answer right here. You know, get his word in here. Because when it's in here, it will help you. It will help you avoid regret. That's a powerful thought. You know, Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesians 6. And he said, put on all the armor of God because you're in a spiritual battle. Here's another reason why you want to have, have it in your, in your heart. Verse 16 or 17 of chapter 6, he says, put on salvation as your helmet and take up the word of the Spirit or sorry, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that word take, he's like, man, grab onto it, receive it, hold onto it, make it your own. I think about, you know, Paul's echoing things that he saw Jesus or heard Jesus did. You know, when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the enemy, any of you ever been tempted? <laughs> yeah. Man, there's no hands in this place tonight. I, we'll stop asking. Taking notes. You know, when Jesus is in the, in the wilderness and Satan comes to tempt him, you know, Jesus is like, oh, wait, I got no scroll, but I got no worries because I got it right here. You know, I don't, it, it, wherever you find yourself, it's like, oh, you know what? There's no Wi-Fi. Uh, no worries. I got it right here. It doesn't matter what the temptation is. It doesn't matter when it comes. I've got it right here. And Paul was reminding them. He's like, man, if you think the devil, the devil's going to you know, have, have the, the stones to attack Jesus, you think he's going to go easy on you? No, he's not going to go easy on you. He's like, wake up. You're in a spiritual battle, but you were in it anyways. You can't avoid it. You're in it. He's like, but are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? He says, you got to take up, take up the sword of the spirit. And then James, the brother of Jesus, writes about it. And he wrote in his letters to the new Jesus followers that he says that word, he says that on the inside, it'll save your soul. You know, fewer regrets, you're in a spiritual battle, it'll save your soul. James 121, the Amplified says this, so get rid of all uncleanness, all the remains of wickedness. With a humble spirit, receive the word. It's that same word as take up that Paul had said. Receive the word of God, which is implanted or actually rooted in your heart, because that's able to save your souls. It, it says it's that idea of receiving, receiving, grabbing onto, making it your own. The implanted and grafted word of God has the power to save your soul. 
uh, being grafted and planted, those are like, those are agricultural terms. I don't know if you're familiar with grafting, but, you know, I put this up here for Zane. Grafting uh, is, is where they take a part of one tree and graft it, join it to another one. So they take the stock from one, put it on the root of another, and it's stronger as a result. But those two things become one. You know, they become one tree. And that's the idea that James is saying. He's like, let the word get so in you, like it's engrafted. It's like, it's you and it are one. It is your life. It affects your life. You know, because he says, when the word of God is like engrafted in your soul, it's got the power to save your soul, to save, to rescue your inner man, your mind, your life, to, to, to rescue from what? From suffering, from penalties, from danger, you know, from regret. It's like it has the power to change your mind and change your life. You know, as I look at Scripture and say, you know, there's some good reasons for memorizing it. There's some good reasons for hiding it in your heart. But the writers of the, of the Scripture said it's not just memorizing. It's not just you can rattle it off. They talk about this other thing called meditation. I just want to leave you with one verse, Psalm 119, verse 15. Same, same, ver, same um, chapter that David writes about how amazing the word is. He writes this, I'll meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I'll ponder it. Lord, I'm not just going to memorize it so I know it, but I'm going to study it. I'm going to muse about it. I'm going to ponder it. It's, it's actually like, you know, a cow chewing cud. And I thought I had to find a way to put a highland in my sermon. So here it is, you know. <laughs> The cow, when they chew the cud, it's like they go and eat something. It's like that's like the memorization. They eat it, and then it's, it's there. It's in their stomach, but it's not just enough. They go, and they sit down in the field or wherever they can find a spot, and all of a sudden, they burp up this ball of what they ate, and they chew on it for a while, and then it goes back down, and then it comes back up again. They chew on it for a while, and it goes back down. You're like, that's disgusting, but it's life-changing if you do it. You can't do it physically, but you can do it with the Word of God. You just ponder it. And, and chew on it. David would say, you know what, God, I lay awake at night just meditating on you. I'm memorizing that in Psalm 63 this week. And I was like, man, I lay awake and I meditate on all the problems going on. This is so much better. But he says, that's, that's exactly what it is. And, and I don't know if it was here or in our small group one of these weeks, but they say it's, not, it's more than just information. He wants you to have revelation of it. He wants you to, that that truth becomes so a part of you that it doesn't matter what happens in life. It, it's It's there. So I want to leave you with a few thoughts. Wes, um, Wes, Pastor Wes from Sweets Corners Church, he's like a master memorizer. The guy's got, I want to say, probably half the New Testament memorized. He, uh, he used to always encourage me to, to memorize when I was his youth pastor. And my mind would immediately flood with excuses. And I figured I better deal with some of those tonight too. Because maybe you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, but it, that's just not easy. Can I tell you something? The worthwhile things in life rarely are easy. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. And if you're getting older, it does get a little tougher when you get older. And this week I realized I'm getting older. And it wasn't because memorizing was harder. It was because I went to home hardware. And I was in home hardware in Hagersville. And I was buying some stuff. And I was wearing my smiley mask, this, this smiley mask right here. And, and I, I went up to the till afterwards to, to pay for my stuff. And the lady looks through and she's like, she runs the stuff through. And then, you know, she says, how old are you? Like, how old am I? I'm like, that's a weird question. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, did I hear right? Maybe I didn't hear right. I'm like, sorry? And she's like, how old are you? I'm like, I'm happily married, woman, you know? Like, I'm, I'm like, you, normally you ask Visa or debit. Like, uh, I was like, well, it totally threw me off. So I'm like, ah, uh, I'm like 40, 42, 43. And she's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Today is Senior's Day, but you don't qualify. I'm like, what? How is that possible? I... 
I don't see it. Then she blamed it on my mask. Yeah, just wait till it happens to you. You won't be laughing. <laughs> but, you know, age is not just, you know, excuse is not just an age thing. I was talking to a young guy this week, and we were talking about memorizing. I'm no good at memorizing. I just can't do it. But I realized this kid has an amazing ability to memorize the stuff he's passionate about. He could talk to you about Minecraft skills. He could talk to you about, you know, mine, um, all of the, the weapons and the damage ratios, and he knows them all by heart. Why? Because we memorize things we're passionate about, the things that we actually value. And that's the question. Will we choose to value the Word of God enough to hide it? There's a guy named Kerry Newhoff. That I, he's one of the mentors that I, I, I follow, and he put out a thing this week just saying, you know, how to make a bigger impact with your life. And he said, you know, one of the things is just fill the gaps in your life with meaningful things. What do you do in the downtime in your life? So what do you do with your downtime? You're like, what, what's down? You know, the space in between, like when you're at the gas station, you're waiting for the pump to be done, or you're like grocery shopping. What do, you, what do you do when you have those little moments of space and time? When you're waiting, you know, before they'll let you into the dentist's office or whatever it is. Netflix, Instagram reels, you know, check your stock prices, check your hockey pool stats. Bob, if you're listening, that one's for you. You know, <laughs> This guy, he just said, yeah, I encourage you to read a book. Take a book along, put something in there, you know, or listen to a podcast. But I'd like to add one. Why, why not memorize? Why not just take that, that, those moments to memorize and put that, put that into, your, into your heart? You know, the, the only thing you really need is intention. Today's not a how-to video. Uh, today's not like, you know, um, memorizing for dummies. It's just simply to stir up desire in our heart. Because once you desire it, you'll find ways to do it. And there's tons of ways online. Last week, we were challenged by this woman from our small group who just, she started memorizing, well, she memorized the whole book of Jude in one week. Why? Just because she, she wanted to. There's all kinds of ways. So maybe you're here tonight, you're like, you know what? Yeah, I think I would like to add something to that. Where do I start? Well, like the old proverb says, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. Start with one verse, just one. And then one paragraph. And then one chapter and then one book. Because, you know, it can have some incredibly meaningful things. You know, the Bible tells, challenges parents. Speak about these things with your kids. Put them on the doorposts of your home. Go over these things because it affects the next generation. You know, the other night I was putting my sons to bed. I thought, you know what? I wonder. I was like, fellas, how much have you guys memorized? Can you just quote some scripture to me? I was so moved by that moment that I just wanted to try and share it with you. So I want to... I want you to sh- uh, just take a quick look at this video and then we'll close. He dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the peril of the pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at his right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways.
hands. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I shall satisfy him, and show him my salvation. You know, we might never face the day when Scripture is removed in our country. But if it is, I want to be with those guys. You know, how cool would it be if we could gather in groups? It wouldn't matter if it was gone because it was here. As I laid there that night, each of them has memorized the full thing, and others, they've memorized the first whole chapter of Ephesians. They're going for the whole book. I'm like, man, there's something powerful about that. How cool would that be? You know, the truth is we might not face the time when we need it for that reason, but can I just tell you this? You are going to face temptations. You are going to face struggles. You're going to face difficult decisions, and you're going to face spiritual warfare probably tomorrow. Are you ready for it? You know, when trouble comes, is it in you? You know, when fear comes knocking on the door, is it in you? When the doctor calls with his report, is it in you? Is it in you? And if not, why not? Why not? couple suggestions here. Maybe grab your phone, take a picture. Be like, where do I start? Here's a few. John 3, verse 16. I would add verse 17 to that as well. You know, John 3, verse 16 and 17. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 8. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, man, get that, get that in there. Put that in there. You know, that we will not be afraid of anything. Where to set our minds. Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 21. It's the prayer of Paul. I sent one of these prayers to, uh, to Pastor James Coates this week. You know, and I wrote, wrote it to him in a, in a letter because it was there in my heart already. But just praying that, you know, they experience the love of God. What, what a fantastic thing to set in your heart. Psalm 23, man, maybe or Psalm 63, where you just for myself has been one of the ones I'm just going over every single day. Psalm 91, like my son's just quoted. Or maybe Romans 8. If you need to know anything, man, that's one great one. Or, 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 or as you go through, maybe it's going to be like, hey, I'm going to start the book of Colossians. Or I'm going to start the book of Philippians. But I'm going to put his word in my heart. Maybe you're going to go and find the Roman road and say, you know what? I want to know how to share my faith with other people. I want to know how to share the good news with other people. Just putting them in here and in here because it matters. It truly matters. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, you know, the, the truth is that his word, the word, he is the word, can change your life, can literally save your soul. Every single one of us has this problem. It's called sin. We don't like to talk about it, but it is a problem for every one of us. And that's what separates us from God. It's why we have all these, like, God, why are you doing all this stuff to me? We have, it's why we have shame. It's why all the brokenness in the world. It's why we have COVID. It's why we have all of it. And yet there's this longing on, on the inside of us for meaning in life, for purpose, for freedom, for, for hope. Really, there's a longing for salvation on the inside of every one of us. It's truly just a longing for God. And the good news is that God knows that longing. And he came and sent his son to fill that longing. He simply says, if you would put your trust in me, if you turn from living the way you live and just say, I'm going to trust you, he'll rescue you, he'll save you. He will literally change your life. It's happened in my life, it can happen in yours. And Jesus' followers, the encouragement to you is, man, do you value his word? If not yet, when? 
because if it ever gets taken away, it'll be too late. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word, that we're not just alone in this journey, but that we have your word that we can read and, and know. We can know you as a result. Holy Spirit, thank you that we have your, your voice on the inside, that you're teaching us and leading us and where you desire for our lives to be. God, I pray for our country, where things may be headed or the way things are happening, but you already know all that. God, and I believe that you've put us on the planet for such a time as this. God, would you use your church? Would you stir them up? Would you uh, feed them deeply on your word? May they know your truth and may it set them free. And as a result, may others be set free as well. Father, thank you for sending your son for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're gathered here together in your name to bring you honor and glory for that. So one day we can just, for eternity, celebrate your goodness. Love you, Father. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I've got a couple questions. If you have a chance to stay uh, around after the service, great. Uh, if not, just I'd encourage you to wrestle with some of these and find out, you know, what is Holy Spirit? Uh, why did he have you listen to this online or here in the room? What, what was the purpose of that? And, and here's a couple questions. What jumped out at you from today? Maybe you got to get on the phone and chat with somebody if, you, if you're uh, uh, at home watching alone. What jumped out? What, where was something like, man, I just hadn't thought about that before, but now I'm thinking about it. Second, what are, the, what are other benefits from memorizing the word? What do you think other things would be? We gave you a few, but what other things do you think of? Like, you know what? If I had memorized scripture, this could have helped. And then, then third, have you memorized any verses? Which ones? Could you quote them? I think it'd be cool if you're in a small group, just to take a moment and just quote out some of the ones that you know. Get used to that because we may need it someday. And then finally, what excuses hinder or have hindered um, you from hiding his word in your heart? And are those excuses worth it? Maybe they are, but I'd encourage you to, to, to wrestle that one out. And so we're going um, to leave it up on the screen for a couple minutes so that you have a chance. If you want to pause it, it's going to be there. We'll leave it up here on the screen as well in the room. If you'd like to hang around with us and just chat some of this stuff out, we'd love to do that. Otherwise, you are dismissed and, and have a fantastic week. I, I can't wait to hear, you know, down the road, the things that you've hidden, the treasures that you've uh, put in your heart. And uh, just as, as always, know that I love you and uh, grateful to be able to do this with you. We'll see ya.